It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Thursday, June the 25th, 2020. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at the TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to talk to me directly, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Welcome in, everybody, a midweek or late week edition of the program. Happy belated uh, Father's Day, and I apologize for not coming to you on Father's Day, but I think the wait will be worth it. Joining me in just a little bit, Kevin Kernan, formerly of the New York Post, America's most beloved sports writer. Ball9.com is his new home, and we have a lot to talk about, and, and that's basically why I didn't come to you on Father's Day and waited a couple of days just for things to simmer down and to work themselves out. Because as these labor negotiations have been going on between the Players Association and the owners, things change so much from day to day. And I thought about doing a throwback, and I have a pretty cool throwback that I'm thinking about putting out there before everything is said and done. Uh, but I really wanted to have uh, the full Monty, all the information, all the good, the bad, the ugly for you know what is about to uh, be the 2020 pandemic baseball season. And uh, the only way I could do that is if I actually waited a, f- a little bit. And it took a, a day or two longer than I thought it would, but everything seems to finally be signed on the dotted line. Spring training will start in less than a week, July 1st. And a baseball season is upon us in about, uh, what, about three and a half weeks? So away we go. 2020 is, in theory, uh, unless things change, and with what's been going on in 2020 uh, since the start of the year, who the heck knows? But we will have a baseball season. And uh, what I'll do right now is I'll say, you know, I want to just get into the baseball season in front of us as a sport. Save the Mets talk for later. And and I and I do want to get and do a reboot, because that's really what this is. When we started our pandemic conversations and our shows when this all came down, it was basically talking about the Mets as the season was about to start, and then it went shut, and we've been talking about the sport, the sport facing a crisis on many fronts, and then doing lookbacks and throwbacks and things like that. So we're really just in our spring training here on the Talking Mets podcast, but what I, when people ask me, well, what do you think about baseball? And I get that question, you know, from people who listen to the program or who are casual fans or acquaintances, business associates, friends, whatever. And I didn't know how to answer it because I'm very torn about how excited I am about this season. Uh, I use an analogy about Coca-Cola. And it's not the old goofy new Coke from the 80s that everyone likes to rag on. But I look at it this way. Uh, if I went to the store and I bought a can of Coke, the packaging looks the same. Everything looks the same. It feels the same. The price is the same. But when I open it up, it does not taste bad, but it doesn't taste the same. And something's missing. And when I asked the person behind the counter, well, what's going on? They're like, well, I know. I, I figured you'd say that. But guess what? Here's why it's not so bad. Here's why we have to do what we have to do with this product right now. But don't worry. Whatever you worry about it now, whatever you think about it now, it's going to go back to relatively normal in the future. But some of these things we had to do to the formula, they just are for now. And okay, I'll drink it because I love Coca-Cola. I don't. I quit Coca-Cola a long time ago, but it's the only... Uh, analogy or product. You could do this with any product that's out there that you like. So that's what I feel the 2020 baseball season will be about. And right now, I don't want to say I'm not into it because I'm doing this show. And I don't want to say I, I, 
you know, I'm not going to care because I've told you since the start that once the juices flow in this sport, whether it be a, a pennant race or a big moment or some kind of, you know, debate that we need to talk about here on this program, I know the juices will get going and I'll be there. We've all had these lulls. Since I've been doing this show for so many years, you get into lulls. But the fact that when this agreement came through, I wasn't in that camp. Well, whoa, yay, here we go. Um, that worries me a little bit because that also worries me about what, what I can do to provide you with in the hour that I give you typically once a week the best possible use of your time. And I always tell you that. If you're going to dedicate your time one hour, this isn't just opening up a, a link and, and reading a, an article and then getting out in 30 seconds or a minute. This is a significant investment in time. And I take that seriously. So that's where I have to sit, step, step back and say, okay, you know, is this just my feeling because, and we'll get to it in a minute, there's so much new, there's so many things of sport that I enjoy and love that they're trying to change and shove down our throats under the guise of safety when I worry that there's some politics behind it. Um, I just have to sit back and see. I do know this. The owners and the players, and, and I know it's been an easy thing to say, well, it's the owners. The owners and the players really did not handle this with the self-awareness and empathy that I thought it needed based on what's going on in the world. And I'm not talking about health. And I've been on the record in, in my life from day one. I never have felt, and I know you guys get mad at me and I've gotten feedback, well, don't talk about your opinion about politics. Don't talk about your opinion about things that aren't baseball related. Well, it intersects here. I've never felt that the health thing wasn't fixable because it is. And the data suggests it is because data could be looked at many different ways. But the financial aspect is the thing that's always concerned me for people in this country. And that does impact the baseball sport, because if you don't have money and your life isn't good, and most people's lives right now, a significant amount of most people's lives aren't good because of money, not because of health. Uh, how are you going to enjoy what's in front of you, whether it's this version of baseball, the old version of baseball, or another version somewhere in between? You can't. And never during the negotiations that I hear the owners acknowledge that they're coming back to a new economic situation with their fan base. The players, uh, they were a little bit more grounded, but they, and I understand, you know, they, they don't want to have another opportunity just to work with the owners and then potentially give away leverage with uh, negotiations next year. But hard to feel sorry for people, some of which are still going to walk away with $300,000 this year if there was not a season. And some are going to walk away with a prorated rate that is uh, significantly below the, the, the league minimum, but not starving. Uh, they are going to be, at least for the next 12 months, okay. And I suspect that most of them, if not all of them, will be okay because there will be a sport. And even if the sport takes some kind of economic downturn, and it will, where they land financially will still be a pretty good place. There's a lot of people out there that are not going to land in a good place, and they're not going to land in a good place for a while, and their lives are going to significantly change, and that's what bothered me because it wasn't about getting back the sport for them to have a distraction because I don't know if this version of baseball is actually a distraction. I think this version of baseball reminds them of what is in front of them, the things that people are trying to do to change fundamentally different institutions in this country and the way that the media is trying to every chance you try to move forward and, and acknowledge yes I have to be vigilant about what world I'm living in but they drag you back to scare you about some new apocalyptic uh, prediction every time you move forward they want to drag you back baseball is going to do that because everybody in the media and by the way in the media I don't need to hear I've heard the last two days oh my god how are they going to get to the ballpark and stay safely six feet apart? They're adults. They have mortgages. They have kids. They'll figure it out. You know, if, if you can't get from a hotel to a ballpark safely, and if you do get the virus, be mature enough 
to quarantine yourself and figure out how to get better, then you got a real problem where you can't function as a human being, much less get out in the field and pitch seven strong innings. So let's just just put that put that out there. I don't know if this version is going to really take take away some of the distraction that everybody really says it is. So I, that's where I get bothered by the owners and the players. I think there could have been more, let's meet in the middle. Yeah, we don't like each other. You know, you don't like somebody, that's fine. That's a, that, that comes with the territory, with negotiations. And nobody really likes management in their company. Nobody. If management's doing their job, you're not liking them. If they're your friends and you're going over for a barbecue, you probably got a problem. That's just the way it is. It's, a, it's two different layers, different, even though you're working together for the same goal, different goals and objectives. They look at each other differently. So be it. You all know that. You guys all work. Some of you are in management out there. So you get it. But that's really what bothers me because to this idea that the, this is going to distract us and take us back or start pushing us back and, and down the road where there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And, and some people say, well, why? Does it really bother you that there's 60 games? No, I mean, it does. But okay, I can live with 60 games. The best analogy I could give you is that I still look fondly at the 99 NBA season and the next trip to the finals. And there'll be a lot of similarities here. A lot of similarities here with players ramping up, getting ready quick, maybe getting hurt, careers being altered. Uh, Patrick Ewing's career was altered that season because he was in the labor negotiations. He didn't work out. Then they came to an agreement. He tried to rush his way back into shape. And he wound up tearing his Achilles. And he was never the same. Now, he was an aged player. But think about it. You have aged players that have been thrown out of their routine and now are being put back in it, and they're going to get competitive, and now you have all these wonky health and safety rules. You, there's potential for long-term damage with this, but that still doesn't bother me. I lived through that with the NBA, and I'm sure I'll look fondly at some kind of Met success down the road. Maybe not the same as other seasons, but it'll be there. And I hope that it'll be like the 99 Knicks, who, to me, I put on the same uh, level as the 94 Knicks, teams that are very special to me. I love the DH, so that's one positive that came uh, out of this chaos. Mets have a, a big advantage with Cespedes, J.D. Davis. They have plenty of guys that, right now, if they could keep that rule going forward indefinitely uh, in 2021 and, and beyond, Mets actually may be able to keep some assets that can help them. I'm not a fan of the three-batter rule. But I'll survive with that. So that's not really what's chaffing me. Interleague play is overdone. They should have scrapped it for this season. And I really want them to potentially think about going back to the future on this and eliminate it. But all right, I know that that's not going to happen. It, it, it is a travel component, and there is some validity to that. You don't want to uh, try to... Uh, right now, it's crawl, walk, run when it comes to getting back to competitive sports on a on this level. And and running would be traveling across country. And that's just, that's just not going to happen. And I'll tell you what, there's going to be reduced media coverage. And that's actually a good thing. I could tell you the players are going to love that. Players are going to love getting out of there 90 minutes after the game. This is like going back to your uh, Sandlot days, your college days. You're going to the ballpark to play baseball, not to go there to create or be pu a puppet in some kind of soap opera for the media and the fans to... Uh, chew on in between, you know, the rest of the 16 hours or so of the day that they're, uh, you know, well, 20 because it's a four-hour game, 20 hours uh, uh, so of the day that they're not watching a game. And even the no fans, it, it'll be interesting how they do on an organic game. Will we get to hear the true spirit and joy of the dugout that we really can hear even with mic'd up uh, players in normal times because the crowd is, is, is obviously going to swallowed up what really really is the things that i think if the two things that i think make it a little bit different and really start to worry me that sports is going to have to kowtow and now be scrutinized or be put into the same uh, bucket as hollywood and movies who sometimes do nauseating politically correct statements just because they have to in movies or with their events. You already start with the ESPYs, with the nonsense they did at the ESPYs. Um, I can't accept the, uh, the the runner on second base in extra innings to get the game going. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's nothing, 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 nothing. Did I say nothing? Nothing to do with health. 
This is a trial balloon to see if it's something that they can do. Because just like every other sport, the NBA, the NHL, not so much the NFL with the rules, but with the, the contact and you know turning it into Madden football, they want two sports. The owners in these sports want two sports. They have the regular season, which is pure entertainment, numbers, fantasy baseball, gambling, and then the postseason where it gets a little bit more real, which is what this is going to be about because that rule goes away. They don't want long games. They don't want the script and the narrative and the and the marathon. They want. They know it's a marathon, but how can we shorten that marathon and put some carnival action to uh, you know bridge the gap between the video game generation and the game itself? And that's what this runner on second base is. And anybody who tells you that staying at a ballpark from eleven to eleven thirty, uh, that half hour hour extra, is putting these players any more in a precarious situation than just going to the ballpark is lying to you. And I don't care if they're a public health official, a politician, a doctor. I don't care if they're this quack Dr. Fauci. It's it's a lie. There's nothing to do with the runner on second base. Nothing. Nothing. You could be at the ballpark eight hours. You're still going to have the same risk. I'm sorry. That is the world we live in. You've got cops out there. You've got truck drivers. You've got EMT. You've got nurses in hospitals with virus patients. Let's stop, guys. These are baseball players. And they're playing a sport that's not really contact. If if they can't play a four- or five-hour game right now, you can't have the NFL in about 12 weeks or so, maybe a little less. You can't. And then the real thing that's going to drive me crazy, and it's maybe driving me off of social media altogether, and that might make some of you happy, is that... If the media is going to spend the rest of this season worrying about or pointing out social distance violations between the rules of the game, on the field, after the game, I'm not interested in it. And I said that to you earlier. These are adults. All I've been hearing is, oh, this is so hard. They're going to have to put markers up at the field, and they're going to have to have a different baseball for each pitcher. And how are they going to get on the bus? And, oh, they can't take an Uber. Guess what, guys? I took an Uber a few weeks ago. I'm still alive. I had to. I took one. And you know what? I'm sure. And 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 look, it would be in the best interest of the sport right now to to to. They can't do a bubble. Baseball can't do a bubble. Make it as clean of a of a travel from a hotel to ballpark and back as possible. But they're adults, and ultimately, you have to allow them to do what they want to do. You don't own them off the clock, just like your employer doesn't own you off the clock. It's no different. And if Pete Alonso or Rick Porcello or Edwin Diaz or whoever can't figure out how to wash his hands or sanitize his hands or not roll in filth or look at, you know, runs around looking at a telephone pole, then yeah, they're going to get sick. Maybe, maybe. I don't need the media running around with the, you know, I'm almost waiting for Andy Martino of SNY to start putting cones out there. I mean, they're going to go around uh, shaming these players if they do anything outside the rules. And that scares me because you're going to destroy the sport. You're going to take everybody away. And the players already hate the media. Let me tell you, I definitely know for a fact Noah Syndergaard is, and he's not pitching. He's beyond happy that he don't have to sit and do one-on-ones with the media. The media out 90 minutes after the game, Get him out of there. You think any of these players are upset about that? They probably asked for that rule, not the owners. So, just letting you know, I am not a virus denier. I am not one of these people that say, hey, just let it let it roll. You're sensible. I'm a sensible guy. Here's the challenge in front of me. It's not the end of the world because I don't believe that anything is. Because every time it's been the end of the world, we've been... It's been proven that, well, maybe we were wrong. Everyone likes to be Henny Penny these days, especially because it's a headline, it's a click, and right now clicks are gold because there's not enough of them and there's not enough money for each one of them. Eyeballs to the TV, whatever. But people, we sound like a bunch of idiots. I've made the analogy in the past that, you know, as much as we hate being locked down in the past, and I have a lot of issues with a lot of things that have gone on, as much as the specter of no baseball annoyed me, no NBA, potentially no NFL, you, you, you adapt and adjust, and I guarantee you, that guy 
who, if he's 18 years old, if you go back in a time machine and you explain your plight right now, and he's in 1967 or 1968, and he's about to wait for the telefo- uh, the television to read off the different numbers who are going to Vietnam, I guarantee you'd say, you know what? Jump me in the time machine. I'll go sit and watch 2020 Pandemic Baseball. You take my number, and uh, good luck. And he won't even wait for me to say yes or no. He'll probably jump in my time machine and go over. So I apologize. I am not trying to put any, and I'll make this very clear. I have no political agenda to throw down on you. If you believe different and you think I'm wrong, whether it's on baseball or my views on player safety or whatever, that's fine. I still want you to listen. I hope you listen. And I don't judge you. And I don't think you're doing anything wrong because you feel in your life that's what keeps you safe. And if you can stay inside and you don't have to go out and make a dollar and you have that privilege, then God bless you. And that's the other thing. This idea that players are going to opt out because, oh, they want to stay safe. Not a single player will opt out unless they absolutely, absolutely have to and lose their money. The only reason you see some NBA players doing it is because they've already gotten paid and there's not enough skin in the game for them to go. The 10% extra. So this whole narratives that are getting thrown out there by the media, who, by the way, none of them are going to stay home for, for safety because they need a paycheck. They need a paycheck. Uh, it's all garbage and nonsense. And that's why this is going to feel different because this is going to become virus talk, virus talk, virus talk. Vi- I don't want to hear it. I want to talk about the Mets. I want to talk about the pennant race. I want to talk about the season developing. And it's a different season that's developing. We're going to have to look at it differently. You, it's the old, you know, it used to be, hey, you got 50 games to figure yourselves out. And now it's like with two wild cards, you can mess around for a half a season. You can't do that now. From the jump, there's no 1931 Nationals. You're 1931. Go home. Go home. We're in the, you're, you're playing the final week out. It's going to be interesting. There is parts of it that'll be interesting. It's different. And maybe we need that to keep us fresh. Different sometimes is not bad. You have to be pushed into that. But I fear this is going to be one long spring training to distract us as we wait for 2020 to get the hell out of here. And I'm going to look back at this season and just say, ugh. And I hope that careers aren't ruined over this. Because I gave you the analogy with the 99 Knicks in that season. And I was just reading the book, uh, Just Balling. You know, one of the things during the pandemic, I'm taking some old books that are in my collection. Say, let me go back and read this book. It's a good book. Frank Isola, Mike Wise wrote it right after the 99 season. And it gives you some good stories and tidbits about that team. And that was the takeaway, how unprepared the players were to start the season. How hard it was for team chemistry to develop in a short span of time. And look, that's not totally the case with baseball, but the prep, the injuries, the health, it is, and it's a big issue. And yeah, they've got three weeks or so, and, and the hope is with the modern player versus the player from 20-plus years ago, they're a little bit more in tune in health. They have more technology and things like that. And on that final note, it looks like with the lack of technology, because you can't go into the 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 clubhouse in between uh you know, innings, you can't just got to stay in the dugout. You actually have to sit, talk to your teammates six feet away and watch the game. But, you know, and think about that. These players are going to be able to go in the clubhouse to get ready, sit in a dugout for three hours plus, but they can't go, go to the bathroom. How are they going to go to the, how are they going to go to the bathroom? What do they have cups? They have to get permission from a public health official to go, go to the bathroom. Guys, do you see what's happening? Is, oh, is this not absurd? Now, maybe this will be one big book so that the lawyers could go away with lawsuits. That's probably a big part of it. I know that's a big part of it. But if you think for a minute that these pure, you're going to take the joylessness out of people to turn them into social distancing robots, I guarantee you, I guarantee you that there'll be a walk-off celebration and someone's going to go flip off whoever gives them a fine. And what are you going to do? You're going to put them in jail? I think we've learned over the last few weeks that, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that happen that are jailable offenses that you can't be put in jail in. And I don't think social distancing really falls under that. And I guarantee you no one's going to die because they were in a pileup at home plate because of a walk-off home run. I'm sorry, guys. You don't like me anymore. I have to say it. This is absurd. 
And this is why it's not going to feel the same because it's going to bring you back. This is not a distraction anymore. This is reminding you of the silliness and the stupidity that we've been faced with for three plus months. And it's dragging you back in. And maybe in some ways, and I hope I'm wrong, Netflix will be a better distraction than Major League Baseball. I hope I'm wrong. And you know I'll be watching. And you know I'll be doing this show every week. And eventually, I hope, we put a lot of this as the game becomes the story in the past. But it worries the hell out of me. All right. You've heard enough from me. Let's take a quick break. When I return, Kevin Kernan, America's most beloved sports writer, formerly of the New York Post, now Ball9.com. Let's see what he thinks about the pandemic season, the asterisk season, whatever you want to call it. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. We'll be back with more right after this. Do you remember the Sports Illustrated April Fool's Day hoax about the Mets signing Sid Finch? Jay Horowitz, former director of public relations, discussed it and his role during an appearance on the Talking Mets podcast. In the winter of 85, the spring of 85, Frank Cashin was our GM at the time. You get a call from George Clifton and Mike, Mark Mulvoy from Sports Illustrated. He had this idea that the Mets were going to sign this six foot six, tall, skinny guy who threw a 190 mile an hour fastball. He came from some far off country. And it, the, the story broke on April 1st, 1985. And the first paragraph of the story, it detailed this is an April Fool's joke. But people didn't, you know, pick up on it. And, uh, uh, and, you know, the late Mel Sodomer, we had a lot of fun with When the story came out, we, we had a, a pitching cage in St. Petersburg. And uh, we, we said we were, Sid was warming up there. And we came out and had a press conference. And we built a built burst a hole in the glove of Ron Reynolds, one of our catches at the time. He said this was Sid's um, fastball. And, you know, we, the players were tuned to it. And I remember the day the story came out, I got a call from one of the editors of the uh, of one of the New York papers. He yelled at me, how can I give this story to a, a weekly magazine? We covered it at Mets Daily. You should have given it to everybody. I said to the guy, wouldn't you be upset if you had a good exclusive like that? And I, and I told you after other papers. But we kept it going for a day or two, and finally, you know, people, you know, understood it was no Sid Finch, but it was fun while it lasted. Listen to this and more at www.talkingmetspodcast.com. I'm joined by our old friend, Kevin Kernan. You guys know him, America's most beloved sports writer. New outlet, ball9.com. Spell the nine out, N-I-N-E, at A-M-B-S underscore Kernan. Kevin, uh, pleasure to have you on again. Last time I talked to you was early spring training. Uh, you were with the New York Post. We were in a normal world. All hell broke loose. You were with a new outlet, and we're in the middle of a pandemic. So other than that, hopefully things have been going well, and uh, welcome back. Thanks, Mike. Yes, uh, things change, you know. Uh, got a call one day from the Post after, uh, you know, 23 years, um, and all of a sudden, job was eliminated. So uh, I had to move on, moved on. Very happy to be Ball9.com. Is, um, it's, a, it's, a good, it's a really good baseball site because we have different everything you can imagine. And it's more, it's actually more baseball for one thing. So, uh, you know, uh, and we got, you know, like behind the dish, like we had a food thing, got, got all kinds of things. And, and the things I write, um, it can it can range from, you know, taking on what's going on in baseball now to some really in-depth tracking people down, um, doing some fun stuff, uh, a lot of editorial control for me. And I have a lot of great ideas and uh, you're going to be seeing popping up and it's, and it's, it's kind of, you know, People are really into it, so that's been great and um, great start. Looking forward to it. And uh, the one thing with the post, the um, best thing that happened from that situation was that so many people reached out, and it was it was really overwhelming um, in so many ways. And not and not and fans were you know, on social media, thousands of people. And then uh, you know between that and and all the calls and texts I got from from people I've covered and you know superstars to Hall of Famers to, you know, everything you can imagine to even, even a guy like Jay Bruce, he didn't have my number. So he tried, he called Jay Harwood to get my number. And, you know, that, that tells you a lot about him and it tells you about if you do your job right, you treat people right, you know, um, and you're fair, 
it's very important for the media to be fair these days. And uh, if you're fair, uh, you, you get respect. Absolutely. Uh, Kevin Kernan, uh, ball9.com, almost said New York Post. It's going to be a, a tough habit. Oh, you know, it's hard. Time New York Post. A <laughs> <laughs> little, little, little tough, but so, so here's the way I look. You know, we've been through this 90 days of, uh, of baseball hell, and, and I don't know if it's over. It'd be interesting with, you know, cases surging around the country if this season still, I, I, I wonder if something will get thrown into the mix. But here's how I would describe, let's assume everything goes off without a hitch, and here we are, July 24th. Finally, opening day. It's like me going to the supermarket. I buy a can of Coca-Cola. I know what Coke tastes like. I expect a certain thing. But at the checkout, they say, listen, I know it looks like Coke. It's going to taste kind of like Coke. But I'm just warning you, for the next two months, three months, it's a little different. I promise you, next year it'll be better. It'll be back to where it was. Um, It's not the same. Are we going to feel the same? Before we get into the mechanics, I... I don't know what to feel. I, I, I'm not into it yet, but it's early. What are your thoughts? You're a longtime baseball guy, longtime sports guy. I, I'm, are you feeling the same way? Absolutely. It's, it's not the same. And anybody that tells you it is doesn't know what they're talking about. I mean, it's, 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 the baseball has been played a certain way. First of all, they've tried to change the game on us, but the, you know, going absolutely off the deep end with analytics, changing the game, um, just the home run hitting contest you know, a max effort throwing contest. It's not baseball. And now it's really radical. And um, the thing I will find interesting about this this year, though, is the fact that, and I wrote about this for Ball 9 uh, tomorrow. It may, it may be posted later today, but uh, it's really it's really interesting because it's a sprint. If you went to June 4th last year, Basically, you know, the teams that would have made it, pretty much the same teams, but you also would have had the Phillies and things like that. You wouldn't have had the Nationals. And um, and now you've got to come out of the gate sprinting. And I, I was talking to players uh, about this and, and some former players as well and stars, and and they've all made the point to me, and they all had situations in their career where they had long injuries. You know, they were out for a couple of months or something. So when they take that, they're equating this to that. Like that's the only way they, because they got to put in baseball terms. So it's like being out for two or three months with an injury, and then coming back, and your adrenaline takes you a little bit, but then you run into a wall. So coming back in a sprint after not playing for months and months and months in the middle of the season, now all of a sudden it's July 24th, which means basically you're into you're into the, the stretch run. So it's going to be fascinating to see how that goes. Um, no fans in the stands, you know, that's great for teams like, uh, you know, that may that may change a little bit, but it's great for teams like the Astros because, you know, they would have been public enemy number one, so they won't have that. I also, uh, having a guy like Dusty Baker for the Astros is great because he's a daily motivator. It's going to be good for the Yankees in some ways, I think, because of the bullpen situation. Garrett, Garrett Cole also gets, after 615 innings the last three years and five starts last year in the postseason, now he's got extra time to kind of wind down. It's going to be good for the Mets in a way because Cespedes has a, has a place now. But in some ways, the Mets can be the biggest winners because Degrom, uh, you know, Degrom, you got to figure Degrom will lead that team, and, and they can't they can't afford any slip ups right away. But Cespedes, the Mets have a huge advantage now with DH if he's healthy, stays healthy. But he should be able to stay healthy because he's not running after fly balls and getting hurt. So there's a lot of little fat things, and it depends on how it plays out. I think fans will come back and watch it on TV initially because they, let's face it, like they watch cornhole, you know, they, you know, doing yeah. this, you know, so, so they'll watch anything. Now, will they stay with it? Will they be, will they be invested in it? Like in the past with their baseball souls? I say no. And it's going to be more of a yep. freak show. It's a more of a freak show. Um, and, and then you got all the little things like, uh, you know, I made a joke. I said, the, you know, kind of like the Godfather, you know, leave the sunflower seeds and uh, take the hand sanitizer because you're going to have uh, – it's just going to be a totally different type of game. And uh, it's summer yeah. camp. And the thing that scares me from a baseball standpoint, and I didn't get into this. I mean, later on, we'll see how it starts. And we have plenty of time to write about the season, obviously, once it starts. But if a guy hits 400, is, is, he, is he like Ted Williams now? You know, it's, 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 so – so it's the asterisk season in so many ways, and um, it's you know, it's, and and again, with the, without 
without fans in the ballparks, you know, balls rattling around in the uh, in the stands. You're going to hear every call by the umpire. Um, you know, John Boyle will have fun because we'll hear everything on his little Twitter feed and things like that. So it's going to be it's going to be really uh, it's it's going to be interesting from our perspective. And I'm also looking one other team I'm really curious about is the Phillies with the changes they made and Girardi can somehow get a bullpen together. And if teams are close, they can make trades. So it's um, I think GMs will be put on the spot, and for the first time in a long time, managers will be put on the spot because. They can't just. I know they're going to do this, but they can't just listen from above and be be, be puppets for the uh, nerds. They can't. You're going to have to motivate, motivate, read situations on the run, and make changes. No doubt, and there's really no precedent uh, for this. And I'm thinking about as you talk. I'm saying to myself, okay, uh, what can be the closest thing? It's not 1981, the strike season. Uh, 94, nope. no. You, but here's here's a situation. It's not apples to apples, but it's close. And you covered the sport. I go back to 1999 in the NBA, and I think about how I felt about that season. Knicks yeah. fan, their run to the finals. I actually recently was reading the um, the book that came out, just balling by uh, by a couple of writers that covered the team. And some of the things that happened that season, uh, not just to the Knicks, to every team. Teams had to. They were in basketball's a different sport, a little disjointed to start the season. Uh, a lot of injuries. Players, um, you know, I think Patrick Ewing's career was impacted because he, he didn't, you know, there was the lockout. He didn't work out. He was the union representative. Then he comes back. He rushes back. Uh, and, and he tore his Achilles, slightly tore his Achilles. And that ruined his career. You could see some of that. I could see that maybe not to that extent, but there's going to be aspects of that where careers could be altered because now you're taking a routine you shut it down. Now you're trying to ramp up quick. This is dangerous in a lot of ways. Forget about the, the, the health rules. We'll get to that. Just in general, routines are, are blown up, and players are creatures of habit, and I worry about that. And I think back to that NBA scenario and whether we could see the baseball version of it. No, that's exactly what it's going to be like because I was there for that, like you said. And it, it was, I remember I worked 60 straight days for the post. Uh, that's the thing that I remember personally about that. It was like a crazy run. And, um, and and really in the end it, it just it was, it was it was fun, but it didn't feel right, and it didn't feel like a it didn't feel like an NBA season. It didn't feel like when I covered you know um, you know the Jordan years and uh, you know uh, the Last Dance, and I recently had a cameo on that. And um, going back to Bird and Magic, it it was wrong. It, it, and sports, baseball is a marathon, not a sprint. And, and again, I refer to this as a um, just, you got to think of this as a, a larger world, you know, a, a WBC, World Baseball Classic. That's basically what this is now. That's what this season is. And I've already heard some players say, well, you know, when we get to the postseason, it's, gonna, it's not going to matter. If you get to the postseason, you're there. It's going to be the same postseason. It's not the same postseason. Uh, you know, so many things have been cheapened in the world, and this is just another example. They're playing a game. They think they made a deal. They're playing a game, they get TV money. That's what they're doing. That's If you cut through it, that's, that's the heart and soul. There's players that get it and they get paid. Are you going to see guys run into walls as much as in the past? I wouldn't if I, if I were players now because you got to make sure, not because I would not be as competitive, but because i got to be smarter. Aaron Judge, first perfect example. Are you going to make that dive like he did for a little time? I was at that game when he made that little dive. But it, was a, it was really like a silly dive to make because he wasn't going to catch it, and it turned up, you know, and of course, the Yankees didn't find out about it, but he, he you know, he broke the rib, rib. So, I think it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be curious. That's the word. It's going to be a curious season. Um, and I, I, just what you were just saying, I'm, I'm going to read you the quote directly. This is what one of the players told me because when you said wrote it up perfectly, but and this is what these, you're not just thinking that players are thinking. And here's the quote. After shutting it down for so long, it's going to be a little difficult. You're going to have to ramp it up right away, one former star player told Bullmine. Um, it's like coming back from a long lay- <clears throat> long layoff after an injury. Adrenaline will only take you so far. You know, Then you're on your own, basically, and you've got to make the sprint. So that's where we're at, and um, it's a shame that it got to this point because here's the problem, Mike. Uh, you know, I don't like writing about negotiations. I don't like talking about it, but I got I got to explain the problem. When I was sent home, uh, I I hung around for a few extra days for the post and got some 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 
you know, boots on the ground stories about what's like for the people in Port San Lucie because I, I was with the Yankees and I switched over. And then um, uh, that last week I switched over and, you know, how, how kind of strange it was. But from that point on, from March, basically from March 17th on, those guys should have been locked in a room and got this thing done. But both both sides wanna, wanted to rattle their sabers and, and fight for their next contract. Dragged it out, dragged it out, dragged it out. And the owners are, are way more guilty, but the players are guilty too. And 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 this could have been settled. All, all the labor stuff could have been settled. And and even the players. I know the owners are so bad, but the players could have really bit the bullet and come out of this thing like heroes. You know, and they could and they could have made the argument. They could have said, you know, your owners treated us bad once again. We never, you know, they never changed, but we're going to sign on. For this for this amount of season because we want to get out there and get the game to the people when they need it most. But none of that was done. Nobody thought of the fans. The fans they don't care about the fans at all in any respect. And that was shown over these last few months. The fans are last on the list of priorities of Major League Baseball. And are you going to get over it? We'll see. Um, if you can, you'll you might enjoy some of the season. But I don't see how you can ever mentally and physically and financially invest yourself in the game that you did to the past. And I'm speaking in general on fans, not just you or me or whatever. How can you invest yourself to this game that betrayed you? Uh, You know, and I think you said it well. Everyone accuses me of being an owner's guy. I'm not an owner's guy. I I know players. I know players who came up. I know their plight. I know a guy, you know, if he didn't get called up midseason and make it, he was about to claim bankruptcy, and he wound up having a career after that. You know, he got called up one weekend in, the, in uh, Fenway Park, and he pitched well, and he, you know, he was able to get a journeyman career. And I know about the 10 years and the pension and all that, but there was a lack of awareness, I think. And I'm talking about the wealthy ball players, the Max Scherzers of the world, those guys, and the owners of what we are facing economically. There's a lot of people who have missed a paycheck. Luckily, I haven't. You know, you, you get a call from the mm-hmm. New York Post in the middle of all this. That's not uncommon. And to not put that in context, the missing of the paycheck, and everyone focuses on health, and that's important. But financially, there's so much more uh, illness financially, and the fact that that was never part of their dialogue, either side. I expect that from the owners, you know, and these progressive players I hear about, you know, many of which are not making big money. You know, making a half million dollars your first year in the league, that's big money. That's not life-changing money for the rest of your life. And that's the part that disappointed me because – typically during this pandemic, whether it be on the sports or the political side, those who don't miss a paycheck like to tell all of us what we should be doing and feeling and just, oh, just come back. And and you yeah. know what? That's not how it works. It's not how it works. And it really bothered me quite a bit. Well, and I think you're not alone like that. Unless you're, you know, unless you're just blindly a fan, you know, that I don't see how you can come back to this game the way we, we once did. Because this was the ultimate. This was so much different. They, this was so different than any other. You know, I, you know, I covered the sport in '94 and all that stuff. And I go way back when players weren't making anything. You know, a guy like Maury Allen, who covered baseball for the Post, I remember him telling me once that he he made the same amount of money as Roger Maris did. I think in '61. You know, they were both wow. the paycheck was the same. And actually, Maris, because of his, you know, he didn't like to be, you know kind of, you know, just engulfed by fans and things like that. Because Maury had a rental car, he would he would often take Maris out and they go out outside the city or some other places on the road and spend time together. But, you know, those days were long gone, you know, and uh and uh uh what the players make now and, and how they there is a little I've heard, like again, I've only heard a few interviews but there's almost a cavalier in, in uh, attitude by the players. Okay, we're back. Let's go. Let's enjoy the season. Let's get something out of it. And I get it. They're young guys. They they don't you know they don't they haven't figured it out. But at the same time, there's that whole thing, like you said, the people who are still getting a paycheck or doing whatever they're doing, telling us how to run our lives. And now baseball is doing this, and and it's a lack of awareness of wow, we could have really won the fans over here forever. If we just took a deal a little bit earlier, we've been pretty much the same deal, and uh, and moved on. But and how about this? We're going to get through this. We're supposed to invest our time again and invest our attitude and all that stuff. And then you're going to have the season next year, and it's going to be squabbling all through the season because of the the contract, the CBA expiring. Then we're going to go through it again, again, you know, after the season. So 
So it's really, uh, I think it's a wake-up time for, for sports. I, don't get me wrong, I love baseball. I still love everything about it. Um, that's why I'm hoping in some ways this, this season gets a little bit back, back to being more grounded, like good scouting, um, you know, smart play, playing for a run to get ahead uh, instead of sitting back waiting for the home run all the time. And, again, I love certain parts of analytics. You know, certain things work well. But a lot of it is, you know, it, 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 it's it's like what Porcello said. You know, the, the Red Sox wanted him to pitch a certain way away from what he felt was his strengths, and, and it hurt him. So that's why he came to the Mets. So this year they're working on different things. Um, it's got to be the players have to take control of the game back. And uh, I talked to Tom Glavin recently, and he, he made a great point. His first year, he lost 17 games. Uh, he had to figure out what he had to do better. You know what he had to do better? Something they don't do at all today, command the baseball. And he worked at it right. in the and he got so much better at it. And he had talked to hitters, and he knew that that low and away fastball was the hardest pitch for them to hit. And he bet on, like he told me, he said, I bet on my mechanics being better than their mechanics. All of a sudden, you get 305 wins, Hall of Fame. You know, that's how it's done. And he tells players this. Don't max effort every pitcher this. Don't max effort every pitch. But because the game so much is is so driveline driven now and how to, how to throw, you know, it's all about max effort and, and all that stuff. He made a great point, too. He said, you know what? Take a few miles off your fastball. And he says, I tell this to kids all the time, younger pitchers. And, and, and command it, and then every once in a while, you, you you know, you buck up and you throw you throw as hard as you can, and just to keep modest. But they don't even think that way anymore. It's just, you know, and we got to go through what we got to go through, and the injuries we see. You know, of course, the latest with the mess was Noah Syndergaard. I mean, we all saw that coming. I mean, uh, and then and then this year they 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 did some things. I know they were trying to quicken his, uh, you know, move to to home plate, or you know, because of the runners stealing. You know, that that can affect it, too. And, and nothing against Jeremy Hefner. He's a great kid, and maybe he's going to be a great pitching coach. But, you know, that's a guy that went through two Tommy John surgeries. So so uh, I recently, you know, with Louis Tion, I talked to Louis Tion's son, Dan Tion, yesterday. And, and also with Louis, uh, I wrote about Louis for the ball line a few weeks ago. And, uh, you know, he he, he, he he didn't lift weights. I mean, I I get it. This day and age, you got to lift weights. you got to do certain things. But he pitched. And he ran, and he used his brain, and he came up with that, you know, the bizarre wind-up when he had to make a change. And you know what else he did? He pitched in the Winter League. So these guys not going to the Winter League has really changed the game. And if anything good comes out of this, I would love to see more, if, you know, if, if they're able, you know, with, with the situation. But if if, uh, if the, the poor minor league, we haven't got to those guys. How about the kids that are in development and aren't going to, they're not good enough or close enough to be on that taxi squad or whatever. This season is a complete waste, and I'd like to see yep. some of those kids that are winning league to get better. So there's a million, there's a million things to talk about with this this um, this, this season, but it's it doesn't seem to me. I don't see how it could be a season of joy at this point, and um, and and we just have to let it play out, enjoy it for what it is. We need a little, uh, you know, we need something to watch other than uh, maybe statues being torn down, and uh, go from there. Look, I can deal with the WBC on steroids, the 60-game season. I'm a fan of the DH thing. I, I know you're a traditionalist, but I, I uh, you know, I'm I did a little breakdown. You know, it, yeah. You know, I, I, know I, I don't want to interrupt you, but yeah. Yeah, the DH ahead. is okay now. Because I'm okay with the DH now simply because they gave up, and I wrote about this too uh, in the column this weekend. They gave up teaching these pitchers how to – and Mike, let me take the one swing training moment that I remember. And it's not that long ago. Roy Halliday was with the Phillies still. I think I went over to the Phillies to go see, to get some background on Travis Darno after the Mets traded for him. And so I was looking for some people that were involved with catching, and I went down to the smaller fields where they do PFP. And, and you know, God bless Roy Holiday. You know, it's terrible what happened to him. But I watched him do PFP. It was unbelievable. I mean, he's running. He's sprinting. He's trying to tell these guys this is how you do it. You watch guys do PFP now. You watch him take hitting. You watch him doing base runners. I'm talking about pitching for the most part. There's a lot of they don't care. They don't try. And, no. and, and, and the geeks in charge basically told the guys in the minor leagues, we don't want them hitting or doing any of that stuff because we don't want them getting hurt. 
you know, the, you know, hitters like DeGrom tried. You know, the Mets did a pretty good job of it. So I get it now. I, I've actually come to the fact that, yeah, let's go DA. So we're on the same page pretty much on that. And, and but, you know, then you got – look, I, I'll even deal with the, the interleague part. I thought maybe they would just keep it in within the league. Um, but what's really starting to drive me nuts, and it's in two things. One, this runner on second base and extra innings. I don't want to no. hear it's a health protocol thing. It has nothing to do no. with health. And people get mad at me. I'm not disrespecting anybody's health. It has nothing to do with health. This is a trial balloon. And number two, and I love the media, and I have a lot of friends, guys like you, that I respect the health, but they can't act like we're dealing with six-year-olds at summer camp. Well, they got to social distance, and how are they going to handle getting on the bus? And how are they going to handle with the chase? Guys, these are adults. I mean, I've been in an office over the last three months. In Elmhurst, New York, I've had to go to. Guess what, guys? I survived. If I can yes. survive, the ball players who are wealthy taking a bus, and I, I tell you, it's going to drive me. Cra- it's not even twenty four hours. It's driving me crazy. Talking like we're t- I'm not talking about children. I, I, I'm well, sorry, and people get mad at me saying, "How can you dismiss the health concerns, Kevin?" Not single guy who's not made a dollar. Now the NBA players are different. They've gotten paid. They're not sitting this one out for health and losing their money. I'm telling you, people better get that out of their heads. Nobody would. I wouldn't. You know, you lose, you give up your spot on a ball team for one year, no matter who you are, it's always in the back of their head that I'll never get it back. You know, that's, that's real. Oh, yeah. That's not, you know, not. Well, I couldn't agree more on the, uh, the, the, you know, the stuff about the social distancing. And that's why I made the joke about the sunflowers. Are you kidding me? Come on. You know, you're going to spit a few sunflowers out. It's going to be a problem. There's, there's a, there's a really wise guy, a smart guy on, on Twitter about the, the whole Alex Berenson is his name, and he's a former New York Times writer who, who really is not afraid to shake, uh, you know, shake the mainstream media. And and he made a point today saying he doesn't want to, just what you just said, basically, he doesn't want to hear it about the athletes because they're not really, for the most part, putting themselves in any danger. They, they're, they're in the safest situation as you can be out there with this stuff. And and they're being tested, you know, so they're, they're on top of it. Some group, some inside. I talked to somebody. I won't mention the team. <clears throat> I won't mention who he was, but he um, he talked to somebody. He talked to the, the, one of the teams that had a bunch of guys show up with the positive test. Every one of those guys was asymptomatic except for one. One of those guys had had a runny nose or no high fever for a day. That's how they found out they all had it. You know, it got right on top of. I I don't expect that to be a major problem. I could be wrong too, but I don't expect. No, not not at all. And um, you know the other the other part here that uh, will be interesting, and this ties into you uh, covering the sport. Now you can't do one on ones. You got to be mm-hmm. out of there in an hour. You know, sports and politics are starting to intersect. You guys got to be careful uh, now because everybody everybody's looking to see you slip on the banana peel. Um, it's not fun anymore. You got it's it's almost <laughs> like let's just play the game. Let's watch the game. Let's forget about all the banter because if if you don't uh, uh, if you don't say what everybody the, the herd wants you to say, uh, you're in trouble. Um, it, it's it's really going to be exhausting. It makes your job almost impossible. Let's put it that way. And 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 I know that people may not see that, but how how do you cover the sport now, being that you know you really don't have uh, that intimacy, for lack of a better word. You're not the ability to do it other than a telephone. Well, you're 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 only uh, you're lying to yourself and to your readers if you think you're giving them that kind of insight anymore, because you're not. And and I was lucky; I covered it for 44 years. All the sports I covered, when I had the great access, I mean, I mean, I'm literally hanging out the pool with uh, Bird and uh, you know Cedric Maxwell before one of the games in L.A. in the NBA Finals. I mean, um, clubhouse, uh, you know all the time with the players and heavy good conversations, fun conversations. Tony Gwynn one time, I finally talked him into letting me open his check one day uh, to get paid every two weeks. I wasn't going to write about it, but he let me open his check. It was hilarious. And, you know, $86,000. And, but the first thing he said to me is, yeah, man, but look at the taxes. Look how much it's taking out in taxes. And, and, and ball players right. haven't changed. So that was the fun, to me, that was the fun part of the game uh, of being a writer Interacting with the players, having great relationships with the young guys too. To this day, you know, Aaron Judge, um, you know, great relationship. Peter Alonso, great relationship. So I think you touched on something earlier, and I didn't want to let it get away because it was a great point by you. Um, the fact that you know, social distancing and all 
you know what? When writers are going to start writing about that, you know what they're telling you? If you're reading that kind of stuff, they're telling you they don't know what's going on in the baseball game because they're writing about the stuff that we could care less about. I don't care who's sitting where on the bus or any of that stuff. Um, you know, I still want to know about baseball. So what you got to do now is is uh, you got to get your head out of stackcast and you got to watch the game and maybe pick up on some things. And that's the irony of all this is because, I, you know, obviously if I'm covering the and you're going to have Zoom calls, you're going to have Zoom calls afterwards, supposedly with the media, uh, with the players. So that's where you'll get your quotes. So you'll get the same quotes as anybody else. So there won't be anything different. And um, But you've got to be able to see, know what you're looking at. And I think a guy like me who knows the game so well, played it in college, been around it forever, can talk talk it with anybody. And my thought about Tony Gwynn, those eight years I covered Tony Gwynn, we talked hitting all the time. So I became a much better reporter because Tony educated me. And um, so so a guy like me, I think, would do well in this circumstance of, if I had to cover on a daily basis or, or whatever because I could see things every game that were special. A lot of writers ain't going to do that. They're going to throw numbers at you. It's going to be launch angle, list, that you know, all the stuff, that, it's going to be no different. So I think it's going to make it that much difficult for the media and that much difficult for newspapers, to be quite frank. And uh, um, we almost got to go back to the days before I, you know, Dick Young was one of, the, one of the guys that went down to the clubhouse first and those kind of guys. We got to go back to way back uh, when, when the writers just watched the game, gave guys nicknames, wrote about it, and then went to the bar an hour later. You know that's 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 basically where we're at now with baseball because you you're not getting anything special unless 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 you you know unless management is feeding you something or or vice versa or, or you know you're working along those lines but uh, yeah it's going to really be it's going to be a in the end it's going to be another blow to the fans I know the fans don't like you know the fans hate the media for for a lot of reasons sometimes it seems uh, but they also like I said when I, when I when I my job is eliminated. I've heard from thousands of fans, literally thousands, and and they were all appreciative of the job I did. So, so that tells me that there's a loud, obnoxious group of fans who kind of get on your case, but there's also thousands and thousands and thousands of others who just appreciate what you do. So it's going to be uh, the media end of it is almost a story in itself this year. What that's going to be like, and it seems like they're going to let broadcasters into the ballpark now or something. Uh, and maybe they're yeah. radio. I heard something like, yeah, yeah, but they're going to have the windows closed. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Stop it, yeah. stop it, stop it. You a lot of window I mean? dressing. We're at a point. It's all window dressing. It's uh, it's things to satisfy the public health officials. That's where we're at. Hopefully we grin and bear it. Kevin, ball9.com, at AMBS underscore Kernan. What do you got coming out? Anything over the next day or so? Obviously talking about the new season. Anything else you want to let the listeners know about? To be prepared for well, at this uh, yeah no I'm mean, I'm mean, definitely I got about I got about four or five really interesting stories lined up and again you you're gonna get different stuff from me like when I talked about somebody a living soul who miss who miss misses baseball more than anybody else I tracked down someone who it was you know who it was it was Ricky the Bat Dog from the Trenton Thunder because his his handler Eric Lipson from the, from the Thunder has to take that dog to uh, the Trenton Thunder ballpark twice a week just to keep the dog happy because he's so used to going there and getting his, his bath and things like that. So I got something coming up with um, – I talked to Turk Wendell recently, Turk the Farmer, and, uh, you know, this is the 20th anniversary of the uh, of the 2000 uh, World Series with the Yankees and Mets Subway Series. So uh, that was a pretty interesting series because the Mets lost in five games, but I think they, the, the four games they lost was like, like a total of five runs. So in some ways, that Mets team was underappreciated and the ability that they had. So, you know, and, and Turk always got in, he's always got interesting things to say. But again, when I do a piece, I'm not just looking to get Turk Wendell or rip somebody. I'm trying to get him to put his life in perspective, what he's doing now, what he learned. I mean, this guy's a real farmer now, so it's like the natural. You know, I should have been a farmer. <laughs> so uh, that's the kind of stuff you'll be seeing from me. And there's a lot of great stuff at Ball Nine, not just from me, but from the from the staff and Chris Vitale, who runs the thing. We did a thing yesterday, Mike. You would appreciate it. It was a roundtable discussion, and it was uh, it was myself, Chris, Dan Keon, Louis Louis Sun, who's in the you know he's 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 a former weight up strength and conditioner, and he's a, he's a somewhat of a he works with players now, and also a young uh, Mets um, reliever from the. Uh, Pitch for the Cyclones, a submariner. So we did a a roundtable discussion, all four of us, and, you know. And and the kid to his credit was very good, very smart. Went to Johns Hopkins, and um, 
and he, you know, he was talking about the benefits of analytics from him. So, so when you when you go to the site, you you click on that roundtable, you're gonna get you're gonna get something different. You're not gonna get just some know-it-all spouting off like I'm I am right now. You're gonna get some real information. Well, listen, glad you're landed on your feet. We'd love to have you on again. Be well. Socially distance yourself, Kevin. I don't want to hear you violating those rules, all right? And uh, <laughs> oh my hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, we'll. I'm sure we'll catch up again. Be well, my friend. You got it, buddy. Always great to talk to you. Take care. That's Kevin Kernan, ball9.com, at AMBS underscore Kernan, America's most beloved sports writer. All right, let's take a quick break. Wrap up. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. We'll be back with more right after this. The Talking Mets podcast is available on many outlets, but the most popular is Apple Podcast. Hi, I'm Mike Silva, the host of the Talking Mets podcast, and I encourage you to leave a review about the program on Apple. Just rate it one to five stars, hopefully a five because why wouldn't you? And then if you have time, leave a review. It helps the podcast continue to grow and encourages others to take a listen. You can also email me at MikeSilva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Hope to hear from you soon. And enjoy the rest of the show. All right, we're back. Final thoughts. Great stuff. Kevin Kernan. I'm glad uh, he landed on his feet. I'm glad we have a chance to talk to him again. He's always been uh, a gentleman with me and uh, and giving me his time, even back when I was a little less known. Not that I'm a big star at all, but I'm a little bit more known to these guys. I've developed some more relationships with these guys over the years. And it's a big loss, I think, for the New York Post, which I've always, the New York Post has been the gold standard of uh, sports reporting in this town for a long time. Uh, losing Kevin is a big loss, and, I, and and without naming names, there are some others there that I preferred they have Chuck than Kevin, but um, Kevin, Mike Vaccaro, you know, those guys, those are, uh, those are, those are rock-solid individuals. Those are guys that you know, if you're an aspiring up-and-coming uh, individual, you should reach out to them. They'll always give you your ta- their time and, and advice. And, and if you have a, a show, even if you have a, a modest audience or a small audience, if they have the time, they always try to uh, pay it forward or give it back, whatever you want to say. So good guys, always uh, appreciate their time. Kevin, uh, of course, ball9.com, spell out nine. And uh, there's some cool stuff over there. I've been checking it out. Interesting stories uh, and baseball-related content, no nonsense, which... I think we're going to need, as I said, more and more of that. One thing I, I didn't bring up in the opening and with Kevin is that I, I saw there's going to be a education video about social distancing and, and keeping the players safe. And I was thinking about it, and I tweeted about this, that if you go back to the old movie Dodgeball, where Patches O'Houlihan had the black and white dodgeball education video, uh, reminds you of the old... Uh, health education classes you would have in uh, in grammar school back when, you know, at least when I was a kid, I'm sure some of you in the audience many years before also uh, had different types of experiences in uh, health education in your schools with the black and white and here's how you play dodgeball. And I'm, I'm thinking of that as I'm, I'm saying, that, you know, I could see them players sitting here just looking at this going, why am I sitting here? You know, but who knows? Maybe I'm the wackadoo, so it's it's very possible. Uh, quick sc- scheduling note, just so you guys know what to expect. So, Fourth of July holidays coming, season starting, spring training. Uh, the plan is to have before the holiday. I want to re- reach out, get a guest on. We'll start uh, breaking down the 2020 Mets and how they're going to fare in this shortened uh, pandemic baseball season. Let's get back to baseball. Let's get away from. Uh, public health and rules and, uh, you know, different things that are going to comprise the 2020 baseball season. Let's talk about the team. Let's see how they could compete and win and fare with the, you know, NL East heavy schedule, you know, the AL East part of their schedule. They got a tough schedule. They have probably, uh, the the NL East uh, has probably the toughest because they're facing some of those offensive-minded teams and offensive-minded ballparks with the Red Sox and the Yankees. Uh, you know, Tampa's a tough team and, and what have you. Even teams like the Orioles, uh, bad teams that play in these band boxes. You know, those are games that could get wacky, you know, with the right uh, situation unfolding. So anyway, so uh, we'll talk about that. And then uh, there'll be the 4th of July holiday. So we, we may do, and I'm thinking about rather than doing a, uh, uh, you know, do some kind of look back, maybe one final throwback. I have some more in the archive. Maybe during the off season we'll throw some of those out. Seems like they went over really, really well. 
And, uh, and then it'll be back to the grind. It'll be back to just like what we planned on doing back in March before everything broke out. Just every week having a cool guest, talking about the team, weekly opinion, giving you something where I feel and I always will go back. Ultimately, when someone says, what is this show? What is its purpose? It is to bridge the gap between the media, the players, the fans, because I think the gap is wide. And I just don't think all the time that you're given... Uh, I don't want to say an intentionally false story, but I think there's a lot of agenda-driven agenda driven stories and myopic stories, and I think there's a lot of people in the media who are good people, but I think lack sometimes the real-world life experience to understand what is going on and parse it out for you guys. And I hope that I do my little part to do that, and maybe uh, you don't agree with me, and maybe I get you angry, and all I could say is this, is the purpose of the show is to give you something to think about, not for you to agree with me, not for you to have uh, an all or nothing allegiance to me. It's to provide you with hopefully an hour of thoughtful entertainment. And I hope I did that for you today, in the past, going forward. And I don't mean to put in a political opinion out there because that's not what this is about. I don't mean to shame you if you believe certain things about public health or how things should be because maybe you're right. Maybe I'll prove to be wrong. I don't think so, and the jury's out, but maybe you're right. Um, so, you know, and, and I don't care who you vote for. I don't. You're welcome here anytime. So hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed the program. I want to thank Kevin Kernan. Of course, you could check him out at AMBS underscore Kernan, ball9.com, spell out nine, ball9.com. You could check me out all the time uh, at the thetalkingmetspodcast.com. You can send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. You get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If I'm not on one, feel free to let me know and I'll get on there. And if you want to send me a personal note, Mike Silva at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. No G. Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your week. Baseball's back. Pandemic baseball's in front of us. Till next time, be well, be safe, be healthy, everybody. Be well.